0: All right, let's pray together. Lord, we uh, thank you um, for so many things this morning, God. Uh, We pray, Lord, that today we would have hearts of gratitude, um, that we would find ourselves um, just appreciating all that you have done for us. We would find ourselves appreciating that you have invited us to be part of your story here on earth, and that you have restored us to relationship through your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray today that we would learn and grow and worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, hey. Good morning, everybody. We are wrapping up our The Way of Jesus series here today. And uh, I've really appreciated this series this summer. Um, Pastorally, one of the things you should know about us is a lot of the things that end up here in the pulpit-ish are things that we chew on and see and think about. months, maybe years at a time, and it's kind of fun to get to the point where we get to communicate some of those passions with you. And so uh, this has been one of those series. This has been a series that has um, really gotten back down to some of the foundations of what it means to follow Jesus Christ and call yourself a Christian. Those are important things for us to never stop growing in and learning about. Um, And it's also called out some things in our culture that really make that a challenge, right? Right? And so, uh, to start here today, I want to go through four of the big ideas, the sort of big things we want you to take away from what we've talked about so far this summer, and then we're going to jump into our text this morning. So, a few big ideas. The first one is this. Uh, The way of Jesus is the way we were created for. You were not created for any other way, for any other path, for any other existence. And any other way will not lead... To God's life and God's best for you. That much is clear in the scriptures. Any other way that we take, there's a word for that and it's called sin. And Jesus says that He is the way and the truth and the life. And this is actually quite simple to understand because Jesus didn't offer us a buffet menu of different ways to get our fill. It's Him. God created you, He loves you. And he desires you to live into his plan for your life, which is based upon faith in Jesus Christ and following him. So that's the first big idea. The way of Jesus is the way we were created for. I hope that's something that you've grown in your understanding of this summer. It's a good reminder for me every single day, because, man, I'd like to take my own way, wouldn't I? The second is this. We tend to yoke ourselves to or become disciples of many things in our culture that are not Jesus. This is true, right? We can look around the world and and there may have been a decade or a time when you could call this a Christian nation or a Christian culture and that ship has sailed, obviously. Um, That is not the world we live in today. And it is so easy for any one of us to begin following, become disciples of something else. So remember this one. Who or what are you a disciple of? And can anyone in your life See the difference between you and somebody who isn't following Jesus. Can they see a difference? Or might it just look like we're following culture, or politics, or the American dream, or any other thing that isn't Jesus? Jesus desires us to follow him, to show devotion to him, and to structure our time, our resources, our whole lives around him, rather than structuring our lives around other things and trying to fit him in. So that's the second big idea. The third is this, and we talked a few weeks on this back in July. Simple acts of obedience, like prayer, like getting into God's word, things like that, they are valued, they are encouraged, and they are celebrated in the way of Jesus, which is why we value them, encourage them, and celebrate them here at Emmanuel. These are the practical, anybody-can-start-doing-them sorts of things, right? No matter where you are in faith, you can give God some time. You can pick up a Bible and start reading God's Word in the Scriptures, no matter where you are at. And you can begin to better understand God's love and God's plan for your life. John 14, 23 says, Jesus talking, he says, Anybody who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So if you want to know the way of Jesus, if you want to live into that more fully, specifically in your life, talk to the Lord about it. Pray. Ask him to reveal these things to you. Study his Word, Study the scriptures. And develop a passion for spending time with God in these ways. And then the fourth big thing we spent much of the last half of the summer talking about is this idea of Christian community. Christian community is essential and inseparable from the way of Jesus. You're not following Jesus if you're trying to follow Jesus alone. We were never made to do life alone. We were not made to be isolated. We were not made to be removed from others who are following God. And you're not engaging in the way of Jesus if you're never around people who are doing the same. Now, community can be hard, right? One of the things I'm sure Pastor Curtis heard before, pastors make the joke, church would be great if not for the people. (laughs) Right? I don't think that. No. But that points to the fact that once you get people together, there's going to be things that are hard. We're all from different places in life. We're all in different places. We all have different stories, different experiences. And as Perry talked about a couple weeks ago, that can create conflict, can't it? And so... None of those things, though, none of those things that may arise, whether theological or any other thing, those things do not dismiss us from the need to spend time with other followers of Jesus. If anything, I would say it doubles the need for us to spend time in community and sort these things out in a way that honors God and brings unity in Jesus Christ. We need to be around other followers of Jesus. So those are some of the big ideas. Those are like four summary statements you could make from this whole series. Um, And as I argued two weeks ago, and as I laid out sort of the visioning process that council has been going through, um, these are things that we need to prioritize in our lives. And as a church, we need to engage with them. And for that to happen, they need to be prioritized in your lives too because the extent to which god can use Emmanuel is going to rely upon the extent that we're all engaging in these things as individuals and as families and then as we do that the impact that this congregation can have on our community will grow fix your eyes on jesus the author and the perfecter of your faith says hebrews fix your eyes on jesus and so today as we wrap up this series we want to again dwell in god's word to better understand the way of Jesus. And this takes a little different view this time. This helps us understand it just a little bit differently from our Galatians passage. So um, I've enjoyed this summer having the opportunity to dig deeper into some of these things. Um, It's been helpful for me to find some clarity and some sense in the world that we live in today. It's been helpful for me to be reminded of the foundation that my life is on in Jesus Christ and how I have a whole lot of different feelings about what goes on in the world around me, but that doesn't change Jesus. That doesn't change the foundation that he has provided in himself for my life. I was having a conversation with somebody on council here recently about having a passion for the word of God, a passion for the Bible, these scriptures that tell us God's story and how it relates to us, right? And in this conversation, we agreed that we want to cultivate and we need to cultivate that passion more here at Emmanuel. And so I want to tell you just a little bit of a story about when this passion started to grow in my life. Now, now, a side note, um, one of the downsides to being a pastor is I don't follow you home every Sunday, right? So if I encourage you to read God's Word... I actually have no idea for most of you if you are or not, right? I'm hoping, I'm praying, I hope that you do that, but I have no idea. I am not there in your household to provide accountability on that one, am I? And I'll never know the answer to that question for most of you, but how can we grow in this together? So this, this conversation got me thinking about a time when I was truly passionate about being in God's Word. And one experience rose to the top. Um, It was the summer of 2004 uh, on staff out at Riverside. A lot of my stories go back to Riverside. You should see a theme there and how important camping ministry is for people, right? Uh, One of these experiences rose to the top. There was a group of guys on staff that summer that were um, really just felt called to be in God's Word more. And, you know, being a Bible camp and all, we weren't doing that. Yes, we were. Uh, being a Bible camp, we actually wanted more of it than what our schedule allowed for, than what the Bible studies allowed for, and so we started getting up at six, six thirty in the morning, which you know, for college age kids in the summer, at a Bible camp, that is not easy to do. We started getting up early, and we found a little meeting space in one of the buildings at camp just so we could do that, so we could study God's word together, and we'd all be studying different passages, whatever we felt like we should be in that day, and. Um, I was working through the Gospel of John that summer. I remember it distinctly. That's when that gospel really came alive for me in my own life. And if anyone in this group ran across something new or something that we thought was profound or exciting or something we'd never read before that we wanted to share, we'd just stop and we'd share that and we'd have some conversation around it. It was this great community where we became passionate about God's word together. And it was life-giving. It truly was. And since then, all through seminary, I cannot remember a season in my life where I was that passionate about being in God's Word. I don't say I have no passion for God's Word, but that's kind of like the gold standard. I wish every day was like that time at camp, right? God instilled something important in me that summer. And it's one of the pieces of the puzzle that led to me being here today. Um, He instilled this idea that his word transforms us. As much as we ingest it so that we think we are understanding it better, God is changing us with his living and active word. It transforms us, it really does. And I can't help but think that God is calling us all back into his word. Some of the things in our lives, some of the things in our culture, really it is that simple. We need to get back to God's word and be obedient in that. The truth reshapes our lives for the better, so the more that we can be in it, the more that we can be tied to it, connected to it, the better. So let me challenge you on that this morning. We preached one of the weeks this summer on the importance of studying God's word for a follower of Jesus, so let me reiterate that. Don't expect to see God moving, don't expect to hear God speaking, or to understand God's work in the world around us if you're never getting into his word. Don't expect to experience huge, major revelations from God if you're not seeking God in the small and in the regular things too. We want to get to know the Lord better so that he can speak to us more clearly, so that we can understand when he speaks. So get into God's word. It's imperative for us as a church if we want to experience God's life and direction for us. It's imperative to the visioning process. It's imperative to our next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, 100 years down the road as followers of Jesus and as a worshiping community together. And this is a challenge I aim at myself too. I don't always have a passion for the word every day, but I want to grow in that and I want to grow with you in that. I can never hope to be the parent or the husband or the pastor that God intends me to be if I'm not building my life on his word. So that being said, let's dig into Galatians 2, our passage from this morning. Um, I was originally going to outline the Corinthians passage as well, but there's, there's a lot in these three verses. So we're just going to be in Galatians 2 here today. Um, you're welcome to follow through, follow along in your pew Bible if you would like to. So Galatians two nineteen through 21, and I'm going to reread that section for you here. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So let's unpack that a bit, verse by verse. So, verse 19. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. What is Paul writing about here? What does he mean? Well, it means that the law brings us to the realization of our sin. This is, um, if you want to talk about Lutheran distinctives or, or core Lutheran theology, that um, is also Christian, that's important to understand too, uh, the law of God helps us to recognize and see and come to understand that we have sin in our lives and in the world around us. Sin is this little three-letter word, but there is no other word that completely and accurately describes what is wrong with the world today than that word. It is sin. It is separation from God. It is separation from God's truth. So that's important for us. It hinders us from experiencing a full life in Christ. So the law brings us to despair because there is nothing that we can do to get back to God. There's nothing that we can do. We can't be perfect. We just can't. We can never be righteous enough. We can't. We are not worthy to stand before God. And that that should bring us to despair, right? Right? And that is the result of sin in our lives. Through the law, God's law, as revealed in Scripture, we find ourselves dead. We find ourselves spiritually dead. We just can't do it. And with that realization, the way of Jesus leads us to the one who can save us. And that realization is Jesus himself. So verse 19, through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. The law shows us that we just can't. We can't measure up. But it points us to the one who can. Verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What does this mean? Well, the crucifixion that happened physically for Jesus 2,000 years ago is one that happens spiritually for us. And the old way of living, the sinful way that has plagued humanity and our lives from the beginning is no longer what we live for when we follow in the way of Jesus. The life we live is a new one because Christ is very much alive and promises to be in us and live in us and through us. Life now is Christ in us. This does not magically remove sin from our lives. We know that. But it puts us on a path. It puts us on a way. It puts us on a realization of seeing our lives transformed into something more beautiful and more hopeful than sin could ever hope to offer us. The Apostle Paul, in writing this, he had an entire life of sin, overseeing the death of Christians and persecuting them. He's somebody who needed to die to the law, too. And here he is writing this from a place of having experienced the immense grace of God, understanding that Jesus' death was sufficient even for him. And it is sufficient for you, too. Verse 21, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So what does this mean? It means simply this. If we could save ourselves, if you could save yourself, the death of Jesus on the cross really didn't mean anything. Culturally, that's a hard pill to swallow because culturally, people get to choose their own way to live life, right? Biblically, that's not what God tells us. If we could save ourselves, Jesus' death on the cross meant nothing. If we could follow God's law to a perfection, or if there was any other law or any other rule or standard by which we could be saved, then Christ's sacrifice was for nothing. Now, Paul here doesn't want the reader to miss us, and we don't want to miss this point today. There is no other way That is the point. There is no other way. God has made no other way. This reality has been hardwired into us by our creator. The way of Jesus is the way of new creation. It is the way of life. It is the way of grace. It is the way of forgiveness. It is the way of finding a purpose that is bigger than what the world can ever give you. Jesus himself in John 10.10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Friends, this is Jesus' offer for you today. Abundant life. It's simple. So I ask you this. In what ways do you see a need for you to become a new creation? Where, where is life not abundant right now? I can think of some ways for my own life. I think we probably all can. In what ways is your life not abundant? In what ways do you need to die to the law? In what ways have you been trying to earn God's favor and grace? I'm here to remind you as your pastor today that that's not the way it works. There's nothing you can do to earn God's love and favor. But there are things you can do to live in it and to follow Jesus in his way. So in what ways do you need to die to the law, to this sin, and to the old ways of trying to do things? The way of Jesus has an answer for you and for all of these things. Jesus invites us to come and follow him. So I encourage you, dig into God's word, begin to experience a fuller, more hope-filled life in Christ. It's what you were created for, it's what I was created for. It's what God wants. Let's pray. Um, Lord, in your mercy and in your grace and forgiveness, we sit here this morning, God. And we're reminded today, Lord, of, um, of a few things. We're reminded of the depth of our sin. We're reminded that There are so many things in our lives and in this world that are not of you, that separate us from you, that tear people away from you, and sometimes just gradually, slowly pull us away from following you. So, Lord, for that we repent. We ask forgiveness. We ask, Lord, that you would help to straighten our path, that you would turn us away from the sin, and help us to come and follow at the call of our Savior. Lord Jesus Christ. And so from this point, Lord, I pray that we would better understand what it means to follow you, what it better means uh, to integrate these beliefs that we have about you into actions in our lives. Actions that display your goodness and your love. Actions that display your truth and your compassion. Lord, may you transform us by your word and transform us with your truth. And lead us on to good, hopeful, pleasing things in your kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.